The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss B2B demand generation. Joining us is Paul Slack, who is the CEO and founder of Vendi Digital, which is a full-service digital marketing agency that specializes in helping businesses increase their online presence. And today, Paul and I are going to discuss how to identify your B2B demand gen audience. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Paul Slack, the CEO and founder of Vendi Digital. Paul, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Benjamin, thanks for having me on the show. Excited to have you here. Excited to talk a little bit about the B2B world. We were joking offline. I started off my career doing sales in your native Dallas, Texas. I was basically selling phone service and water coolers and somehow worked my way into B2C. And as my career matured, now all of a sudden I find myself being a B2B marketer. How does that happen to people? Am I the only one? Does everybody start B2C and go B2B? I got my start in, I'm going to really date myself here, but in 1990 as a technology sales guy in B2B, and quite frankly, back then the technology world was just exploding and some of the best training you could get as a salesperson was working for B2B companies. So I kind of went from people don't quite get it. Like, how did you go from sales over to the dark side? You know, if you're in sales to the marketing world. But the reality is in late 98, 99, I just saw the writing on the wall. You know, the internet was taking off and I really felt like B2Bs could leverage the internet in a way that they just weren't thinking about. And so I jumped ship and got into the marketing side of the business to help B2B companies really expand their reach and get out there and touch their customers in a way they haven't before. And just like we were saying before uh, we got started, Benjamin, what blew my mind in the late 90s is I'd be talking to CEOs of B2B companies and saying, you really need to have a website. It's critical for you to have a website. And they would look at me and go, Paul, I really don't know that I need a website. I have a sales force. I go to all the trade shows that I need to go to. We know who our customers are. I don't want to put my trade secrets on my website. I don't want my competitors to see that. And you fast forward to 2023 and it's like, my goodness, how short-sighted that was and what a crazy ride it's been. I always appreciate talking to marketers that have had enough experience to remember what it was like before everything was purely digital and before we leaned on digital and our data as the primary source for finding leads. And at the tail end of this era where 
Yes, everyone had websites or yes, websites were a thing, but not everybody had them. A lot of my early career, mostly in the, the sales experience I had was actually physically walking into businesses and asking them to buy products or services, right? This notion of like demand generation of finding and building your audience was truly like boots on the ground prospecting. Obviously, we've got different signals and sources and we're much more sophisticated now. But we're also losing access to data at the same time with some of the privacy concerns and regulations that have come out. And now all of a sudden, what's old is new again. We are going through a second wave of this new technology. It used to be, well, do I need a website? Now, no shit. Yes, you need a website. <laughs> But now I feel like marketers like, should I be getting into generative AI? Like, how do I start doing conversation intelligence? How do I use ABM to target and profile and prospect my customers? And it's a totally different world. So talk to me about today, having seen the before internet era, the beginning, and now as we get into the generative AI era, how do you think about the changes in how marketers should be identifying their audience if they're in B2B? It's interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that I'm constantly trying to communicate to B2B companies is that the world of demand generation has been changing dramatically really ever since I got into the internet. And to go back to what you said earlier, Benjamin, when I was a sales guy in the 90s, when you were a sales guy, we were in charge in sales of demand generation. If we wanted to sell water coolers, if we wanted to sell anything, it was up to the sales rep to find those customers, to knock on doors, make phone calls. I literally used to sit by my printer and would print all kinds of letters and then mail them out. I mean, we had to create the demand for our business. We did not expect marketing to be involved with demand generation. In fact, if you were to get back in a time machine into the mid to late 90s and say, hey, Paul, what is the role of marketing in your world? I would say the role of marketing is to put logos on coffee mugs or to get ready for a trade show. They had nothing to do with generating demand. Print out my sales sheets. Exactly. They were basically the make it pretty department. And what's happened, though, over the last 20 plus years is that slowly and very rapidly in the last 24 to 36 months, demand generation has shifted from the sales rep to marketing. And the reason for that is in the early days, sales reps were kind of the gatekeepers to knowledge. So if I was a, put, let's put ourselves in the shoes of the customer for a second. If I'm a B2B company, I'm dealing with a challenge. I need to incorporate a new piece of software, bring in a new piece of equipment for my factory or bring in something to make my business better. I've got a problem and I don't know how to solve it and I need help. So back in the days when I was in sales, I was the access to that information. If they had a problem, they'd call me and say, hey, Paul, I'm trying to get my application to run faster. I don't know how to do that. Payroll's taking too long to run. Can you come out and talk to us about what we can do to get our payroll system to run faster as an example? And so I was the gatekeeper to knowledge. Well, the internet has created ubiquitous access to information. And really post-COVID, what's happened is buyers now have ubiquitous access to all of this knowledge and they're going out and learning on their own. And guess what's happening as a result of that? 
they're pushing talking to sales reps until the very last possible minute. In fact, there's been study after study that shows that every B2B buyer waits until, to use a football analogy, wait until the football is on the 10 yard line before they start engaging with a sales rep. And they bring in the sales rep at that point in time because they need to understand how your solution is going to fit in their environment. But up until that moment in time, they really want to let their own fingers do the walking and just figure out how to do this on their own, how to do that research on their own. So when you think about that, okay, the sales guy used to be in charge of being the gatekeeper of knowledge. Now they're not. That really puts the burden on marketing. So we just have to be really smart as marketers to make sure that we're understanding what is that information that our buyer needs as they go through their buyer journey, even before they begin the research phase, as they're out there just passively learning about different options that are out there in the market. What can we be doing as marketers to make sure that we're showing up on their radar so that when they do start researching, they think about our company as one of the companies they want to consider? A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? Yes. I lived in Dallas for the Quincy Carter era. I understand how painful it's been. And as a 49er fan, all I could say is, ha ha. But there's a reason why I'm asking you if you're a Dallas football fan, which means you're a football fan. I can continue to go with the football metaphors. The sales team has gone from being the quarterback to being the fullback. How do we drive the ball down the field and get close to the end zone? And maybe we're throwing it to the wide receiver who scores the touchdown. Maybe marketing is helping us. But really, marketing was the offensive line, blocking and making sure that the quarterback had visibility and could see whether they should run or pass. Now, it seems like it's the opposite, where the marketing team is the quarterback. They're saying, here are the leads. Here's all the information they have. Here's how we're continue to build the know, like, trust, awareness, nurture, conversion rate optimization. And sometimes we need to put a warm body in front of them. So we're going to hand you the ball at the one yard line. You punch it into the goal line. Exactly. 
as the user base for the non-sports ball people that are listening to this podcast are thinking about the transition in terms of the roles and responsibility of sales and marketing, how do you think about the way to not only understand who is in your ICP, ideal customer profile, how do you identify them, find them, but also how do you make sure that the sales team has the knowledge of what their experience has been with the brand so they know which hole to go to and how to secure the ball and get it across the goal line? There's several elements to that. I love the analogy. First of all, in my world, I hear the sales and marketing alignment phrase all the time because, man, I've been in B2B marketing for 23 years, Benjamin, and sales and marketing alignment's been a challenge for 23 years. You'd think we would have solved this problem by now, but it's still an issue. And to use your analogy, we're all on the same team. It's not where the Dallas Cowboys and marketing and sales is the 49ers. It's like, no, we're all the Dallas Cowboys. We're all working to achieve a common goal. And so a couple of things to think about when identifying your ideal customer profile. Number one, selling to everybody is selling to nobody. I can't tell you, Benjamin, how many times I talk to a B2B company and I ask them, who are you selling to? And they're like, oh, well, we sell to men and women 18 to 75 years old. Anybody that can fog a mirror and sign a check, that's our customer. And the reality is if we try to sell to everyone, even if we can sell to everyone, we should not try to market to everyone. And so when you're trying to figure out your ideal customer profile, the most important thing you can do is take a look at who are the customers that you absolutely serve the very best? Who are the customers that are writing their reviews about you? Who are the customers that are telling their friends and their colleagues about you? And let's go build a marketing profile around those folks and really select our ideal customer profile from those industries, those roles, and those individuals. So let's start there by that subset of customers that we serve the very, very best. And from there, we want to build out our target account list. And this is one of the best things you can do from a marketing and sales alignment perspective. And that is identify your target account list. Let's just say that's a thousand accounts. Break those accounts into tiers. So tier one, tier two, tier three, and then have a service level agreement between marketing and sales that says, for all of these tier one accounts, this is what we're going to do together to help warm up these accounts and move them down the field. For tier two and tier three, let's do the same thing. So tier one, oftentimes that means sales is in the driver's seat and marketing is the co-pilot and we're working together to warm up those accounts. And the way that we're going to measure success is, did we have some penetration in that account? Did we have some good meetings within those accounts? Tier two and tier three might be, these are less important, but they fit our ideal customer profile. Sales isn't going to focus on these this quarter, but let's have marketing warm them up with content and information. And then tier three might be, well, these are good suspects. Let's just make sure we've got air coverage so we're staying top of mind with those folks. But what happens is when you start with your ideal customer profile, you identify a target account list, you break them into tiers, you have an SLA between the two departments. Now, all of a sudden, you're not two different teams. You're just different positions on the same team. I'll continue to go with the sports metaphors. Apologies to everybody who is not a sports fan, but I am. What I'm hearing you saying is it's important to have a mixture of run and pass plays. There are some plays, there are some opportunities where you know you just need to throw the ball deep. These are opportunities where you can score quickly. These are relationships that are in our ideal customer profile 
They're talking about us. They've been referred by a great customer. They've already engaged. We're seeing them check back on the website. They're opening our emails. They're responding to everything. These are warm leads. They're ready to go. Throw the ball downfield and see if we can cash one in. On the flip side, you can't always be trying to score on every play. Sometimes you need to soften up the defensive line to make sure that they're tired at the end of the game so you can start consistently running the ball and have predictable results at the end of the game. That's what the run game's for. Sometimes you got to run, sometimes you got to pass, and if you're not blending the two, you're either all risk and reward or you're never just going to be able to have that big chunk play that helps you score quickly. All right, sports metaphor done. Sorry for everybody who wasn't into it and isn't over the fan. It's a little bit of a stretch, but we got a Dallas and a 49er fan. Got to talk a little ball here. That's right. All right, so here's the big question. Last one I have for you today. We're in this new era of generative AI. It's influencing everything we do with marketing. How do you think artificial intelligence is impacting the way that we identify our leads in B2B? I get this question a lot, as you might imagine. It's been quite a year for AI. And I go back to something I said, Benjamin, at the top of this call, and that was when the internet came on the scene as a marketing tool in the late 90s, I really felt like, wow, this is going to have a huge, huge impact on business for a long period of time. So I jumped out of sales and got into marketing because I saw where this was going. And in 23 years, Benjamin, since I've been in marketing and I've seen SEO, social media, all kinds of things come onto the scene in the last 23 years. To me, AI is as important or as significant to everybody as the internet was 23 years ago, 25 years ago. So we all need to figure out what we're going to do about AI. Now, AI is about to go through some exponential change too. I mean, what we're seeing today, which is pretty amazing in my opinion, is the dumbest AI we'll ever see. It's just going to continue to evolve and get smarter and get smarter. So what I recommend to companies today as you're thinking about AI is absolutely get familiar with all the tools that are out there. There's many. We could spend a whole show just talking about the different tools. But I would start with just making it your assistant. Go about your day-to-day world and all the different things that you're doing with marketing and think about how can I do this faster? Can AI help me here? Let me try it. My recommendation to folks is don't try to do everything with multiple tools. Maybe pick one or two tools and just take it along your week. Find those friction points in your day. Try to find ways to make that job easier, accomplish more than you could do on your own. And I think that's just really a good starting point. It is going to be here for the long haul. A lot of people ask me, Benjamin, is AI going to replace marketing jobs? Are jobs going to go away? And here's what I tell folks. AI is a tool just like a chainsaw is a tool, right? A chainsaw is a pretty amazing thing in the right hands. So I don't think AI is going to take away jobs, but I think marketers that know how to use the tool are going to replace marketers that don't know how to use the tool. So we all need to get really familiar with how to engage with AI in our day-to-day lives. I think that's great advice. Use artificial intelligence as a tool. It is not a stopgap, but can help you consolidate data, do your research. You're going to do the same processes you already have But when you have manual tasks, sometimes you could start to automate them using your artificial intelligence. It can help you isolate your audience as well. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Paul Slack, the founder and CEO of Vendi Digital. Join us again tomorrow when Paul and I continue our conversations talking about B2B content marketing secrets. 
If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Paul, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Vendi Digital B2B. That's V-E-N-D-E Digital B2B. Or you can visit his company's website, which is VendiDigital.com. Again, it's V-E-N-D-E Digital.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the Martech podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.